I do want to introduce you today to Oscar Diaz and his wife, Lauren. They are both grads of Northwest Nazarene University. They graduated with our very own Pastor Valerie, so that's very fun. And uh, they graduated in 2015, and now they work for a Because International, the organization that created the shoe that grows. Anyway, so they have uh, been working for Because International for about a year and um, are working with that organization. And uh, Oscar is also on staff at Carcher Church of the Nazarene and works with their young adults there. And he will be sharing with us today about their good work. But first, a video. Sometimes compassion arrives in very practical ways. Kids' feet grow quickly. As a result, kids living in extreme poverty around the world often outgrow shoes and are left with no option but to go barefoot or wear shoes that don't fit. The Shoe That Grows is an advance in footwear that allows a child to always have a pair of shoes that fit. We know the importance for children in developing countries to have proper footwear, and we believe the Shoe That Grows is one solution to this problem. But how does it work? The shoe can grow in three main places. First, the front can grow. Second, the sides allow the shoe to expand. Finally, the back adjusts for the heel. Using these expansion methods, the shoe can grow five sizes, ensuring kids can always have a pair of shoes that fit, and protecting their feet from the dangers of contaminated soils and diseases. In addition to five sizes of growth, the shoe can last for years. High quality materials enable incredible durability for the shoes. The sole is made of compressed rubber, while the upper is made of synthetic leather, a simple, sturdy shoe to protect their feet. Children around the world can have a better shoe, a shoe that will always fit, a shoe that will keep going and growing. The Shoe That Grows is an impactful tool in the fight to keep kids healthy and happy, giving them more opportunity to have success in their lives. Join us in our mission of practical compassion. To find out how, visit theshoethatgrows.org. Good morning. It's no surprise to you that there was a service at 9 a.m. this morning. Uh, but what it is a surprise to you is that this is actually the first time I've ever been a part of a church that has two services. And let me tell you, it's fun seeing the contrast between the 9 a.m. and this service. The 9 a.m. people, you can just tell God bless them. The coffee was just still sitting in. But, but with you, I can tell that you already got the coffee sweat happening. And your stomach's probably full from having a good breakfast and whatnot. And I heard an amen in this service, the first service. Yeah, we were just happy that they were there. <laughs> uh, but I will do you a favor, and I will start my timer right now to get you out on time, because I know you had breakfast, but lunch is right around the corner. Um, I'd love to start by, by, by saying that if, if you were to draw a line, a, a timeline from today uh, and, and from when you were born, that you would be able to identify moments and times in your life where when, when that decision was made or when that uh, maybe tragedy happened or when, that, uh, when I got that opportunity that when that moment happened, it shifted everything for me. And if you're asking yourself, how did, how did I get here? That you would be able to identify those things in your life that, that have brought you to where you're at today. I found myself thinking about this and I even asked myself, how did I get the opportunity to come and to spend time at Mountain Home? This is the first time I've, 
I've been to the church. I, I've been to Mountain Home uh, many times. Once, I'll just brag. Uh, 2010, uh, it was our senior year. Uh, we were on the football team uh, from Nampa High. And, uh, and we came and... Just, just see me after the service. Uh, <laughs> I should have stick with my notes. Huh? Um, but to, to spend time with you this morning, I, I started to realize that, that as, I, as I began to look back and, and reflect, that I could point back to one time, one, one moment that really kind of got me to where I'm at today. And that moment was about a year ago uh, when I had uh, a call from the founder of The Shoe That Grows and, and Because of National. His name is Kenton Lee. And he called me, and it was about 9 p.m. on a Thursday night. I was, I was writing a sermon. I was getting ready to preach the first time at my church. And he called me, and I thought, why is Kenton calling me? This is kind of funny. He calls me, and he just, he basically, you know, after a small chit-chat, he said, hey, we've got this opportunity at, at, at Because International. I was just wondering if you'd be interested in, 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 in joining the team. And I said, sure. At the time, I was working at Starbucks. Uh, I was covered in syrup just about every single day. And I had third-degree burns from this, the, the hot milk that just, you know, would spill on you and, and whatnot, making the frappuccinos. And I thought, this sounds like a good, like a good transition. And today, what my goal and my hope is, uh, instead of just coming here and, and giving the whole uh, because spiel of our organization, what I really want to inspire you to do is to start seeing the little things and to fully understand the power of the little things in your life. Because as I think back uh, in that moment, that for Kenton, that was just one simple phone call. That was just one small thing that he did that day. He probably did a ton of things as a founder of an organization, a lot more important things. But that one small thing that, that he decided to say, I'm going to say yes to this, it, it changed my life in many ways, uh, from work, uh, financial stability, you know, with, I get to work with my wife and, and all of these good things, and all of that happened because of that one small phone call, that one small thing. But even bigger than that, had Kenton never answered the, his own calling in life, and had he never said yes to the idea of a growing shoe, that phone call would have never happened. You see, our story as Because International actually began in 2008 as Kenton. He was discerning uh, his, his, his calling and, and what he wanted to do in his life. And he felt like the Lord was calling him to go into mission and to be a missionary. So he said, Lord, I'll give you one year and, and we'll, we'll try it out. At the end of one year, we'll go out for coffee and we'll talk it through and see, see how this whole thing's going to pan out. He was living in Kenya. And he was there for uh, about, he had been there for about six months, and he, he noticed that a little girl, and all the other kids as well, that they had their Sunday bests on, that they were dressed really nice, they were getting ready to go to church. But he noticed one thing about this little girl in particular, that she had old, nasty shoes that had the front end just snipped right off so her toes could keep growing, and that she would be able to keep that pair. And as Kenton looked around, he noticed that a lot of the kids actually had the same issues, and, and most of them actually didn't even have a pair. And in that moment, he thought, in a simple yet powerful way, a small thought came to mind. 
And that thought was, what if there was a shoe that could grow with the child as their feet grew? It wasn't in the grand and then spectacular. It wasn't written in the sky. It wasn't like this moment where he just felt, you know, he was on holy ground and took his feet off. Nothing like that. It was just a simple, ordinary yet powerful moment. The small thing, the small thought. What if there was a shoe that could grow with a child as her feet and their feet grew? If you have a Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 6? And if you didn't, it's all right. We got it on the screen. But John chapter 6, and I'll be reading from verses 1 through 13. It says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that the large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test them, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, and about 5,000 in numbers. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets and fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. I'll read 14 and 15. When When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Would you pray with me, Lord? One of our biggest challenges that we face this morning is uh, most of us have already heard this story. And as soon as we, we, we opened it up and, and we started reading this passage, a lot of us kind of already knew what the, the point was. But Lord, my prayer is that, that we might be able to just to come to this text and allow the Spirit to do what, what you do best which is allow it to just seep inside of our hearts down into the soil so that it might be planted, that it might have the opportunity to then grow in us and transform us and shape us, and that we might be able to just to produce fruit, fruit that lasts. Lord, thank you for, for bringing us together, and we pray that we, we dedicate these next few moments, Lord, to you, and that we are excited to see what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've had the privilege of being at Karcher Church of the Nazarene for about two years. Uh, as uh, Pastor Stephanie was saying, spent some time doing Hispanic ministry, and recently uh, started doing the young adult ministry. Uh, coincidentally, last Sunday, we had our 
uh, our really exciting time. We had our pancake feast. Uh, the whole idea with that within our young adult class is to kind of mix up uh, the, the, instead of kind of Bible study-ish small group settings, we kind of mix it up and, and we do just all-you-can-eat pancakes. Amen, yes. And I wrote on the, on the whiteboard, I wrote, all-you-can-eat pancakes. We were excited. And then a good problem happened. We had about five people, that, that new people, that just showed up. And I remember thinking, like, this is fun. This is really exciting. But then I remembered the resources that I had. I remembered the, the little baby box that I bought from Winco not that long ago that I had brought for everyone to share. And I quickly started worrying, how are we going to make enough pancakes so that everyone can eat as much as they want? And I was super nervous, and then I, had, I went over and told my wife, I was like, because she was, you know, using like the big ladle to make the pancakes, I was saying, hey, we might have to go to like smaller pancakes just so we can still get away with the all-you-can-eat pancakes, you know, eat little baby ones. But sure enough, we were running out of problems, and I ended up going and changing the sign, and I said, all two-you-can-eat pancakes, and called it good, and it was a fun time. But these disciples, they had a, a bigger problem, <laughs> They didn't even have batter to begin with. They, 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 they had a sign that said, nothing that you can eat here. But yet Jesus still challenged them and he said, feed them. Even though they had a sign that says, we don't have anything here. They, the people had come and, and they were hungry. And Jesus had told them, let's feed them. The really interesting thing about this passage is that this narrative is that it is recorded in different uh, gospels and 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 the Matthew narrative, he does tell us that the, these people had come, and when when they came, that when Jesus saw them, he immediately had compassion on them, and he healed them. And these people, after having received a healing on a spiritual level, still remained in need. That these were people who 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 would basically. Had it gotten in, that were in one line, that the, the, if you need healing, get in this line. But then all of a sudden, once they got out of that line, they got into this new line where they now they have practical needs. Now they're hungry. Have you ever been hungry? Amen. Yeah, I know some of you are like I am right now. <laughs> but these people were so hungry. And one of the things that Jesus begins to to shape and, and, and to call us and for us to understand as the church is that people also need practical help, practical compassion. And, and see, I guess this speaks more into my heart than anybody else, but growing up, I always thought that, oh, if you just accepted Jesus into your life, it would transform and it would change everything, that all of your problems would be magically disappear. But Jesus is teaching us something that people, yes, need healing on a spiritual level, but are also facing challenges and issues that require something more. Philip answered him, he said, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. He was saying that he, even if we had six months worth of wages, which I don't even know how he did that without a calculator, but he said, even if we didn't have six months worth of wages, it would not even be get close to feeding everyone a little. And if we're honest, as we look at the problems that this world has, that as a, on a global level, as the church faces, as, as, as human beings, the issues that we face, 
I think if we're honest that we approach that the same way that these, these disciples approached their situation, that even if we had six months' worth of wages and resources and time, that it, we wouldn't even get close to solving some of these issues that the world is currently facing. And it's so easy for us to think like that. On your free time, Google global issues. You'll, you'll find some big, giant, some nasty things that just make you feel like, how could we ever do anything about this? Things like like malnutrition, poverty, um, sexual abuse, sexual slavery, pollution, uh, tainted water, systematic racism, refugees, wars, overpopulation, human trafficking, the list goes on and on, and it can easily, we can easily begin to feel helpless. Amen? That we see that, and something inside of us knows that I wish I could do something. I wish that I could do something to make the world a little better. But as I look at the statistics and I see the challenge that is in front of us, it's so easy for us to think, what could I ever do to change that? Verse 8 tells us, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus teaches us something beautiful in this passage. That although this world is full of issues and full of problems, that if we can identify and if we have these little resources, that we are not left alone to try to solve them. Notice that in this passage, to, to, to start off this whole scene, we have Philip who comes up to, to Jesus and, 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 and tells him, how are we going to solve this thing? And then, and then Jesus tells him, feed them. Basically saying, solve it. Look into this, see what you can come up with. But notice that when they found the resources, when they found you know, anything close to a solution, when they found this boy with the loaves and the fish, that Jesus didn't say, okay, you're getting closer, Philip. You know, keep, keep solving it. You're getting really closer. But in that moment, what Jesus did is what he does with all of us, is that what he did is that he took the small resources, the little bit that they had, and said, I'll take it from here. The disciples learned that day that when we identify what we have, we can begin to do something wonderful. And something wonderful happens if we give that over to Jesus. And that's the power of small things. Because the big and the miraculous, and, 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 and if they were to had, uh, you know, if all of the people were on this side of the hill and they were all starving, but on this side there were a ton of bread, we wouldn't be having this issue. They wouldn't be figuring out how are we going to feed them. We can just tell them, okay, make a line. Now the logistics is what they're going to have to figure out. But if they had all of the resources on one side of the hill, all of their problems would have been solved. But what makes this really significant is that all they had was something little. And the challenge for us in, in our lives is that, that we might have just a little. And I'm talking more than just your resources, your, your money, your income, more, bigger and more than that, your talents, your, your character, your, your, your ability to, to say yes to, to, to someone who needs a ride home, something that seems so small, 
we could easily to write it off as insignificant because how is this going to solve any big global issue or big world issue? Or maybe you have a friend that's going through a tough time and you think, what is this lunchtime going to do? When everything's said and done, life is still going to be the same. But we become something bigger. We become part of something bigger than ourselves. When we begin to give what we do have to Jesus, who takes it further than we could ever take it. You see, years ago, Kenton Lee gave one idea a shot. He had this idea of a growing shoe. And he thought to himself, if you were to ask him today, that he wanted to solve the issue of that little girl and the group of kids that he had spent time with. That he, he didn't have the global issue in mind. And sure enough, I'm sure he knew that the, the, the issue of poverty was greater than just the space that he was at. But in that moment when he, when he received that thought, that small, simple thing, he said, what could this do? That he was thinking about it just for this one girl. You see, in 2014, it came out that 300 people can't afford to buy a pair of shoes. Thousands of kids and thousands of people are dying through soil-transmitted diseases, and, and, and poverty has robbed dreams and, and, and limited potential of, of thousands, millions of people around the world. A shoe doesn't solve every issue. The shoe doesn't solve every problem that these kids and these families and these communities are facing. But what the shoe does do is that it gives the child the opportunity to walk to and from school safely. To get an education that could potentially lead them and their family out of where they're at. The risk of, of, of dying from a simple cut or a wound on, the, on their foot drops significantly. And they're able to run around and, and play soccer and be kids and, and be themselves and ultimately, we believe that by placing a pair of shoes on a child, that it sets them up for a chance to succeed. So a pair of shoes doesn't solve any, every problem. And allow me to share with you a story we received not that long ago about a difference that a shoe can make in the life of a child. And due to the, some of the political Climate, I'm not able to tell you the names and whatnot, but I, can, but I am able to tell you that it came from the Nazarene Compassion Ministry Coordinator in Cuba. And about a few weeks ago, um, we, I'm sure you all heard about the airplane that crashed and coming from Cuba after the, the three-day um, national conference that they had in Cuba, and tragically 100 people uh, passed away. Uh, in that plane, there were 20 Nazarene pastors and spouses that had just left this conference as well. So we get this email. This is the, the NCM coordinator and her daughter. They were able to go to Cuba just a few days ago after the terrible plane crash. They were able to take the shoes that you guys donated with them. This is truly a miracle, and only God's timing made this possible. Typically, we can't get large donations like this into Cuba. It was amazing. The little boy in the picture is now an orphan 
but living with his elderly grandmother. Writing those words makes me start choking up instantly. There were seven kids under 18 that were affected by the plane crash. Many more are feeling the effects as well, but my heart just breaks for these seven kiddos. The little guy in the photo was able to receive one of the shoes that you guys brought. He is a very, very smart kid and extremely talented in soccer. He was chosen for the National League before the crash happened. If you would like to lift him up in prayer, he is not doing so well with the adjustment. He has stopped going to school and practice. We are praying that he will find hope somewhere during this horrific time, that this will be with him for the rest of his life. The NCM coordinator was in tears as she told me this story. She said the only time she got really got words out of him, and even a glimpse of happy, was when they were able to get him a pair of shoes. She says, thanks for your donation. You will never know how much it has meant to these kids. They were able to make sure every pastor's child got a pair, and even some cousins. And here's the beautiful thing about the small things in your life, is that you never know how far it'll go. This little boy and I have something in common. Although we're miles apart, we may not ever get the chance to meet each other. But we have one thing in common, is that we both are able to draw a timeline of our lives and to point back to a moment that changed our lives significantly. And that was when Kenton Lee decided to say yes to the small thought of a growing shoe that we both can look back to that moment and say, when that happened, it changed and it has brought me to where I'm at today. And for us in this room, whatever that small thing might be, I'd like for you to dream for a little bit that if you were to make a decision today and to, 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 to decide to say yes to that small things, that years from now that you'll be able to say and think about your life and think about the timeline of your life, that you'll be able to say I am here today because of that day, of that moment in my life. When I said yes to that, it has changed everything. And the beautiful thing about the power of the small things, saying yes to the small things, like I said, is that it has the potential to take us further and farther than we could ever imagine. And it has has the capability and the potential to impact people down the road people that you probably would never meet. But the challenge is for us to identify those small things today until we get to that point. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar, for sharing with us what Because International is doing. Small things, practical compassion that are making a big difference around the world. Well, there is an opportunity for us to participate in this. Uh, And, you know, we come to the table really with a couple fish and a few pieces of bread. That's what Faith Promise really is about. It's about taking um, the little that we have, the little that the Lord has given us, and handing it over to God, who in his divine nature takes our little and makes it abundantly enough. He takes the little obedience that we can offer to him and makes it more than we could ever imagine. Now, if you want to pull out your faith promise paper you got with your bulletin today, this speaks to what we want to do, the small thing that we want to do as a church over the next 12 months. Our goal over the next 12 months is to raise $10,000. 
Now, at some point, that seems like, wow, that's a big number. But when you think about all of the things that you know, Oscar talked about, it's a drop in the bucket. And the things that we want to do, uh, the things that we want to participate in are not just things way far overseas, but are things here in our local community. Yes, we want to participate in supporting the shoe that grows. We want to continue our support to the Stricklands who minister in um, North Africa um, they, with their living expenses, but we want to do work here as well. We want to expand our We Heart Mountain Home projects. Well, how many of you guys participated in that last year? Well, we went and we painted at the schools. This year we're going to be expanding that, working with the schools, but also working with directly with the city and hopefully as well with the Domestic Violence Council as well, some organizations in town. We want to expand that and continue to be a blessing to our community right here in Mountain Home. We also want to support the food pantry. You know, we don't have a food pantry. We don't want to duplicate another ministry, but rather we want to help their ministry thrive by stocking their shelves as well. And so, guys, this is small, and yet... Imagine the impact that we could have locally, right? Globally and locally as well. And in order to meet this $10,000 for the next 12 months, you know what it's going to take? 20 of us given 10 bucks a week. 10 bucks. I assure you that is far less than Tommy spends on Diet Coke in a week. He has a problem. He knows. He knows. 10 bucks a week. 20 of us to say 10 bucks a week, I give to this to Faith Promise to see what God can do with my two fish to see what God can do with my five loaves. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's two, maybe it's 20, I don't know. But we can contribute as a body to make this happen in order that we might be a blessing in practical ways, both here and abroad. Here with our own people and overseas with kids that need shoes. So then I'm gonna ask the band to come forward. You're gonna have today that during this song, but also uh, the next couple weeks, to pray and reflect on how you might partner with us as a church to do this, whether it's two bucks a week or whatever it is, to raise this $10,000 to meet this need both here and abroad. Um, but let us worship, conclude this, uh, our service today uh, with the spirit of worship as we respond to God's call to obedience. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of partnering with you in your kingdom work. Lord, you did not come just to bless us but in order to bless us, that we might be a blessing. And so, Lord, would you move in our spirits, call us forward to participation in your good work, your good, redemptive, salvific work, both overseas and right here where we are. Lord, you see us, you hear us, and you are calling us. May we respond to that call with our obedience. You have been so generous to us. May we reflect that generosity in how we live our lives with extravagant generosity. We ask it all in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. Amen and amen. Would you stand to receive the benediction today? I'll remind you there is a basket out in the back where you can put your faith promise cards, and that will be out for the next couple weeks as you reflect and pray about that. Well, let's give the benediction today. Beloved Christ Church, May you go from this place with a deep sense of your belovedness. God has given to you so generously. May we respond to his generosity and his faithfulness with our obedient participation in his kingdom work. Here and now. Go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed.